are doing questions and answers. You guys know this. This is week nine. Um, uh, week ten will be the last one. Pastor Tom's going to wrap this all up in a nice bow. So uh, uh, we've been going back and forth. And again, the reason I want you to know and understand why we're doing these is because I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ is the answer to the problems that we see in the world. I believe that Christ living through us is the answer for our government. I believe it's the answer for our school systems. I believe it's the answer for our neighbors. I believe it's the answer for our families. I believe it's the answer for religious people. I believe it's the answer for Hollywood. I believe it's the answer for all these things. But the problem is, is most Christians think that, that preaching the gospel looks like stocking up franken beans and ammunition for the big day. And it doesn't look like, you know what, I'm going to invite my coworker, I'm going to invite my neighbor to coffee or breakfast or lunch and get to know them. So we've been answering these questions and all these questions that we've been looking at are questions that our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, the skeptic, those that are that have been hurt by the church, that they're, they're asking, and, and we're, we're providing answers. And today's big question is another question that I'm sure most of you have heard someone say at one time or another. Aren't all Christians hypocrites? Is that an accusation or is that a question? So this is going to be a short message. The answer is yes. There, we're done. The answer is yes. And if you have trouble saying yes to that, well, you might be one. Through this series, Pastor Tom and myself have been refuting objections to the Christian faith. Today, I'm willing to admit that this one's true. That this one's true. Christians are hypocrites. I'm a hypocrite. And it might come as a shock to you this morning, but you're a hypocrite too. How many believe lying's wrong? If you can't admit that you're a hypocrite, Just lied. We all are hypocrites. You having fun? How many believe that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves? How many men believe that we are to love our wives as Christ loves, loves the church? How many believe that gossiping is wrong? Do we all agree that greed is not a good thing? Envy, laziness, gluttony, unforgiveness. Things that we fail all too often. But we pick and choose our hypocrisy. If you were see, to see a Christian sitting at a bar, that wouldn't be a problem. That, that, that we would pass judgment on them. But if we see another Christian at an all-you-can-eat buffet, we don't pass judgment on that. <laughs> 
See, we don't live up to our highest aspirations um, for ourselves. And we certainly do not live up to the standard that God set for us in Scripture and the standard that Jesus Christ lived out Himself. It's not hard to find plenty of examples of Christians in history, or at least those who claim to be Christians behaving badly. Right? Go to any college course and they will point you to the Crusades. You know, it's interesting, though, that Christianity, when Christians, when you became a Christian, you were you were persecuted. And they and they don't find the hypocrisy in that when you when when the religion of Muslim the Muslim religion started, if you weren't a Muslim they persecuted you. It's hard. It, it's not. It, there's plenty of examples even in our own lives, even in our own uh, encounters with fellow believers in the church, right? Fellow pastors, fellow fellow leaders, and all those that say that Christians are all hypocrites. Why would I want to be a Christian? They're just a bunch of hypocrites. What I have to say to them is, yes, we are, and we always have room for one more. But the thing of it is, is what was the type of hypocrisy that, Jesus, that stirred up Jesus, right? What got, what got God going? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Isn't it interesting? Jesus says that hypocrites love to pray. Maybe we need a series on prayer. <laughs> hypocrites love to pray. They like to be seen praying, right? They, they like to look religious. They like to look holy. They like to look righteous, right? He says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. So that, that means that their prayer is not going to be answered. Their reward is the, is, is, is the glory that they receive from men from their outward actions. In Luke, Jesus gives us an example of what this actually looks like. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. See, this is, this is the key to the hypocrisy that God cannot stand. Those that have confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. I am so happy that we have a body here. And as far as I can tell, we embrace those that are in struggle against sin. We love those that struggle, are struggling against sin, struggling to walk out their identity in Christ Jesus. That we are a place of grace and that we're a place of mercy. But, 
We can do better. We can do better. We need to be those that are being used by Jesus to rescue those that the enemy is trying to take out. Not being a religious sniper helping the enemy to take them out. It says, Jesus told the story of some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other one was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself. Think about this. Jesus is saying that God doesn't even want nothing to do with this man's about to do. He's standing there by himself. And he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance. Notice it says he stood at a distance. But Jesus didn't say he was alone. And dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner... Not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Religious people are not comfortable in this body. I've seen it time and time and time again. And the type of hypocrisy that angered Jesus was not those that agreed to a moral standard but came up short from keeping it perfectly, but those that believed that they did. We, we preach a high standard here. We preach a biblical worldview. We desire, I desire to live that out. But to think that I am able to do that through my own self-discipline, through my own goodness, through my own religious acts and deeds, is a, it's hypocrisy. It is only by the grace of God, it is only by the Spirit of God that I am that I am. The type of hypocrisy that Jesus is talking about are people who are self-righteous and are always despising others. People cannot compare themselves with God's perfect standard. And to feel good about themselves, so, you know, what I'm trying to say there is you can't compare yourself to God's perfect standard and still feel good about yourself. Apart from Jesus. Right? So what do you what does what is a religious person to do? How can we feel good about ourselves? Because God's perfect standard causes me to feel 
inadequate. So what do we do? What are we to do? Well, we compare ourselves with others. And Pastor Tom just preached this last, last week. In, in, in Corinthians it says, you compare yourself amongst yourselves, and I'm telling you, that's not good. I, I actually think that it's actually a, some stronger verbiage in there. It's almost like you're ignorant or stupid in doing so. But that's what we do. That's what religious people do. We don't compare ourselves with Jesus. We compare ourselves with those that are struggling worse than we are. This Pharisee may not have committed all the outward sins of the tax collector, but he was guilty of sins of the heart. The sin in trusting in ourselves. And the sin of trusting in ourselves is the worst kind of sin of them all. This sin of trusting in ourselves disdains the necessity of Jesus' death in our victory over sin. And it substitutes us as our own Savior. The word hypocrisy isn't really used that much in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, the word hypocrisy is a Greek word that describes, it was used for an actor on a stage. They were one actor many times would wear many different outfits or different masks and portray different characters in a play. He was a hypocrite. It came to mean that to to mean acting a part. Acting a part. Advertising something on the outside that wasn't consistent with the character on the inside is a picture now that we have of hypocrisy. When an actor puts on a mask and pretends to be someone he is not, his appearance is different than who he is behind the mask. So if Christians are charged with hypocrisy, that means pretending to be someone they are not. Like, a, like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, we are acting a part of self-righteousness, the part of pride, the, the, the part of, um, of a religious person rather than one that is humble and dependent upon Christ and His righteousness. That's the type of people we truly are. Right? And the problem with religious hypocrisy, you, do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden? What was their response to that? They hid themselves. They tried to cover it up. They tried to put a mask on it. And what's so funny is that God, when they sinned, came looking for them. And I think so much in the church, we, we, don't, we don't cover up and hide from God. I mean, after all, we're in church, right? The ones that are hiding from God aren't coming to church. No one stops coming to church because they're getting closer with God. 
But what we do do, when there's religious environment in a place, is we hide behind religious masks. And we don't hide from God, we hide from one another. And because we're hiding from one another from little things that aren't really... God, you're good with God. You're not being condemned by God, but you're being condemned by man. Because each of us has our little list, right? We, we, we condemn Hollywood and the actors and, and the lifestyles that they live, but then we'll pay money and sit two hours and watch their movie. Now, I'm not saying either one is wrong. I'm not saying that their lifestyle is correct, and I'm saying us going to the mo- a movie is wrong. But maybe instead of condemning people, we should be praying for people. Right? And so we do these little things that, you know, you know Jesus is with you as you're doing them. Maybe you're enjoying a nice glass of wine with your wife at dinner. And you, you, you prayed over your meal, everything. And there's no condemnation between you and God. But if religious Joe shows up or religious Sally shows up, all of a sudden there is condemnation, there is guilt. Because we're hiding behind masks trying to please people rather than God. Now here's the danger of this. The danger of this is, is because we build these masks, because we're trying to be man-pleasers rather than God-pleasers, because, because we're not willing to be, this is who I am. Do I do everything perfect? No, I do not do everything perfect. But I, I serve a perfect God that is, try, is perfecting me. And the reason this is so dangerous is because we've practiced so long hiding that when real issues come up, when there's real marriage problems, when there is adultery, when, there, when there's things that are breaking people's lives, when, when there is addiction, where, when, when things are completely skewed and out of whack, because we've already perfected the ability to hide We continue to hide in the midst of pain and suffering and brokenness. When the church is supposed to be the place that we can run to. To find healing. To find encouragement. To find freedom. Do you understand why hypocrisy, why judging, judging others leads to hypocrisy? And Jesus literally, He said, in the same measure that you judge others, you too will be judged like. I'm telling you, you don't want to judge anyone if you do not want to be judged yourself. 
We need to judge one another in Christ. We need to, we need to be um, confirming, edifying, con- um, 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 reassuring, and speaking into people's lives their identity of who they are in Christ. This is what might be looking like on the outside, but do you know who you are on the inside? And right believing, right believing about who you are and your identity will lead to right action. So if a Christian, so if, if, if Christians are charged with hypocrisy, that means pretending to be someone we're not. We, we, are, we are not self-righteous, holy-than-thou people. We are Jesus-dependent, saved by grace, learning to walk in the Spirit so that we do not gratify the lusts of the flesh. That's who we are. You know, Paul even accused Peter of hypocrisy. Did you know that? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from the people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So what Peter did is he understood the Gospel. He understood what, what, what Jesus Christ had done. That there is no longer Jew, there's no longer Greek, there is only the believer in Christ Jesus. The children of God. That the old covenant was done away with and a new covenant had come. The old covenant was flawed. The new covenant was perfect. Because the old covenant was based on our actions, the new covenant was based on the action of Jesus Christ. And so for Jews, it was sinful for them to eat with Gentiles. You understand that? But when So when there was no Jews around, Peter had no problem eating with Gentiles because he understood the Gospel. But when the religious folks showed up, he no longer ate with the Gentiles, even though it did not offend Christ. It didn't offend God. It was offending men. And he became a hypocrite. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. Religious people forced other people to follow their own religion. Their hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their Hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the Gospel message, get that. Get that. What caused them to act in a hypocritical way? Not following the true Gospel message. And what was the thing that they were doing that wasn't following the true Gospel message? They were believing that an action, they were believing that circumcision, 
They were believing that eating with Gentiles made them unholy. I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws. So he's saying, to be a Christian, you have to discard the Jewish laws. We have so many Christians trying to get us back to living by the Jewish laws. And are living like a Gentile. What's he, he, He's saying that you have been freed from the Jewish laws and you are in Christ, you are more like a Gentile than you are like a Jew. Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? I love Peter. I, I love, I love uh, Paul. He gets right down to it. If, if you read Galatians, he, he's talking about, you know, they spied out our liberty. That means that they, they, were, they were stall peakers. Right? They were the guy, you know, you're standing at, who cares? You're standing at the urinal, and you're going, and all of a sudden you, you notice the guy next to you is looking over. It says they spied out our liberty, that, that, they weren't circum- that there was many people in the church that weren't circumcised. How would you know that? Unless you were a, a peaker. Right? And what did, what did, <laughs> and what, what, what did Paul, Paul tell him? He says, well, if you, if you think circumcision works, why don't you go ahead and cut the whole thing off? That's what it says. Why don't you emasculate yourself? the King James terminology. See? I'm just preaching the Bible to you guys. Oh. See, anytime we're not following the true Gospel, we fall into hypocrisy. The Gospel says that faith in Jesus Christ alone makes us children of God apart from action, apart from laws, apart from religious traditions. Now, am I saying, see, I've got to preference myself. Am I saying that all of that is not beneficial? Is it, it's not beneficial to live according to a biblical worldview? Am I saying that God doesn't instruct us how to live morally and, not, and, and, and is not, it's not the best way for humanity to live? No, that is not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you are pointing to people if you're pointing people to these laws, rules, and traditions as a means of being righteous rather than faith, faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, we are setting them and ourselves up for miss, a life of missing the mark, a life of hypocrisy. Could the question that aren't all Christians hypocrites could the reason why that question even exists is because we're not preaching the gospel? But we're preaching religion? Religion leads to hypocrisy. Jesus did not come to start a religion. Do you Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to end religion. And you're thinking, well, why are we here in this church today? Because we're gathering as a family. 
We're gathering as the body of Christ. We're not here as a religious deed. We're not trying to earn things from God. We're trying, we're trying to learn how to walk out these new creation realities in our life. We are not a religious people. You need to understand that. Christianity is not a religion. True Christianity is not a religion. We are not a religious people. We are Christians. Religion is man reaching up for God. Christianity is God reaching for men. Remember the Pharisee and the tax collector? The Pharisee was reaching up and telling God how glad he was, how good he was, and how, what he deserved, and I'm not like so and so. He was reaching up to God. The tax collector beat his chest, saying, Have mercy on me. And God reached down to him, and he was justified. Robert Capone, this is a Awesome quote that if you never read any of Robert Capone's stuff, it's a little deep, but it's good. Robert Capone just has this quote. It says, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is the proclamation of the end of religion. Not of a new religion, or even the best religion. If the cross is the sign of anything, it's the sign that God has gone out of the religion business and solved all of the world's problems without requiring a single human being to do so. Not requiring a single religious act. The cross actually proves the fact that religion can't do anything. It cannot do anything about the world's problems. It hasn't done anything about the world's problems. It never did work, and it never will work. Religion breeds hypocrisy. The more that we judge others, the more we set ourselves up to be guilty of the same exact things. So you may be asking, so then, is the law of God sin? No. We would not know sin if it wasn't for God's law. The issue lies in the law's inability to make us righteous, to make us right. Do you understand that? In Romans, Paul both diagnosed humanity's problem and he also gives us the remedy. Let's see if this Sounds familiar to any of you. In Romans chapter 7, verse 14, Paul writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. What does that mean? That means you, are, you have the flesh. Our flesh has not been redeemed. It's been purchased, but it hasn't been redeemed. At the second coming of Jesus... Those that have died will be resurrected to immortality. Their physical they'll have a new physical body and it will be redeemed. Us that are still alive at Jesus' second coming will be transformed. We will see them and we will be transformed as He is. And we will be redeemed. Right now, 
The only thing that's been redeemed is our spirit. And to the extent that we renew our minds, our souls are being redeemed through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. And when your spirit and your soul lines up, your flesh lines up also. But when your soul and flesh line up, you don't look like you should. Understand that? So we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. Has any of you guys been here? Or am I the only one? I don't understand my own actions. For I do not want... I do what I... This is a tongue twister. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. What is he talking about here? He's not talking about your born again spirit. He's talking about your flesh. You cannot trust your flesh. You cannot touch your feel. You can't trust your feelings. You can't trust just because something excites you and makes you feel good. You can't trust that that's actually good for you. You understand that we we have a whole culture that are is trusting its flesh, and a biblical worldview says that you can't trust your flesh because in your flesh there is nothing good. Right? So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, But the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And you're what? In your flesh. Correct? Verse 21, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Your spirit wants to do what's right. Your spirit wants to live according to who you are in Christ. Your spirit wants to live according to Scripture and what God says is right. How He designed you and purposed you to live. Right? But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This is the human condition. Some people just give themselves over completely to the flesh. Some Christians have mistakenly, just because of religion, because of hypocrisy, because of these standards, they they just have given up on the idea of church and trying to become everything that God has created them to become. They just give up. Because they feel like Paul. They feel, they feel like what Paul is saying here. Wretched man that I am. How will I ever be delivered from this body of death? The things that I 
don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. Come on, has anybody felt that way before? 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is the only thing that delivers us from this mental disorder, from this schizophrenic disorder, from the body of sin. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So what is he saying there? He's saying that with your mind, you need to renew it to the Scriptures, to the Word of God. Because your flesh is controlled by the law of sin. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save all humanity from our hypocritical ways. Amen? Amen? I'm, <clears throat> I've been redeemed from being a hypocrite because of Jesus. Thank God. Some of you, some of you, you know, your Christian life, you've been weighed down because you constantly walk around feeling like I'm a hypocrite. I'm not living up to the standard. I'm not doing... Praise the Lord. You can be set free from the today from that religious condemnation. In the very next verse, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jesus has set us free. Amen. This is good news. They, they, they should call that the Gospel. So the question was, aren't all Christians hypocrites? Are Christians hypocrites? You bet. Have they caused many stains on history and therefore tainted the Gospel? Without a doubt. Are you bound to face a Christian in your life who will make you want to do anything but become a Christian? Uh-huh. Yep. But let me follow those questions up with these. Are non-Christians hypocrites? Yep. Have non-Christians caused a permanent stain on history? They sure have. Are there non-Christians today who badly represent the causes that they claim to represent? There's a whole political party. When it comes to being screw-ups, we're all in the same boat, both Christians and non-Christians. We all have failed and will continue to fail miserably. Labeling yourself as a Christian doesn't change much with, without actually following through with what it means to be a Christian. And that's the very problem with Christianity, that Christianity has had throughout its existence. Like a leech that won't go away, won't let go, true Christianity has been unable to shake the religion that ruins 
name. So if history shows that Christians have messed up just as badly as non-Christians, why would anyone ever want to be a Christ follower? Because Jesus Christ is the only one who has never sinned. He redeemed our sinful nature by His death on the cross. Jesus is the real deal. This is why the church needs to point to Jesus and point to Jesus and point to Jesus and point to Jesus. He is the real deal. He is our poster, the poster child of Christianity. Be like Him. Not like me. He is able to save the biggest hypocrites. He's able to save the biggest hypocrites like me and like you. Thankfully, we don't ask people to invite Christians into their hearts. We invite people to invite Christ, Jesus, into their hearts. And Christ is not a hypocrite. We don't claim to have it all right. We've certainly messed up and we will continue to do so. But thankfully, by God's redeeming grace, we will continue to point to the source of all perfection, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will never fail. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.